Hello, lovely people. How are you doing? Well, happy Christmas if you are listening to this on Christmas Eve. And if you're not, well, I hope you're having a good day anyway. Now, if you would like to hear from someone who will fill you with joy and lots of good cheer, no matter what day it is, let me introduce you to the Dartmoor artist, Sarah Smith. Sarah had just finished her job as a performing arts lecturer. She had a young family and wanted to spend more time with them, so was looking to start her next chapter. But then one morning, everything changed. Sarah suffered a dreadful injury, which left her lying on the floor in agony for the next year. I'll let Sarah tell you what happened, but from these dark days and helped by her lovely husband and family, Sarah was able to discover something which not only brought light and joy to her, but to many others too. Sarah may work in the middle of nowhere as the Dartmoor artist, but she has built a huge following. Her work connects to so many people. It's been on the front cover of national magazines, and if you follow her on Instagram as I do, you'll see how she lives and works from her studio overlooking the glorious countryside and just why her work has attracted the love of so many. Sarah is honest, open and full of passion for what she does. She believes we all have the answers inside us and it's all about staying true to who we are. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with your next chapter, or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, the Dartmoor artist, Sarah Smith. Sarah Smith, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. Well, it's such a joy to speak to you on lovely Dartmoor. Oh, it's nice to speak to you too, Ellie. Thanks for having me. Well, I feel honoured because I know how busy you are. Uh, You're super busy. You're a small independent business. So I feel even more honoured that you're doing this. So thank you so much. So let's just get straight into it because we've got so much to discuss. So starting off, now, as I say, you're, you're on Dartmoor now, but you actually grew up in North Devon, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So North Devon, born and raised. So I was in Biddeford. That's where my family uh, were from. And actually, my mum still lives in Biddeford. And uh, yeah, no, lovely, lovely town. Um, Have lots of fond memories of growing up in that town. So you say um, you were it was relatively quiet. You were very hardworking. Um, You say you since made up for being very quiet. And it was it was you, your mum and dad. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I was very sensible, very quiet, very studious. I liked school, uh, very hardworking and just kind of kept my head down, really. Did 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 the grades, did the, you know, all the exams and stuff and just was very, very quiet. And I think I've definitely made up for that since. Well, quite right. <laughs> quite right. What kind of what kind of pupil were you at school? Were you did you enjoy school? Yeah, I did enjoy school. I kind of I, I really struggled with maths at school. And I think at the time, the teaching staff weren't perhaps as patient as I think, you know, teachers are now. So I didn't really get a lot of support in my maths. So I really struggled. And it almost became um yeah, I mean, even now I have these awful memories of maths class and sitting there just thinking, I, I just don't understand this. This isn't going in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember, you know, some of the questions you'd be asked would be, you know, Ranjit has five pens and Carol's got six apples. How long will it take them to get to the bus stop? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. yes. And my brain would go, oh, Oh, quite a while, I think. Why does Carol need apples? Is she making a pie? Like my brain just couldn't cope with all of the the storytelling involved in in math so I know yeah I no really sense. struggled yeah you're speaking my language you've actually I know this isn't about me Sarah but you've just suddenly brought back a memory in my GCSE maths and you know when you had to do on those formulas and you knew it was wrong when it was a completely minus random number and then you had to do because it, it should always work out to be like one and um I remember I had like minus 300 million and and it said and it was calculating the um like the depth of the the sea and uh it was it came up this it said give reasons for your answer and I wrote because the tide was out (laughs) and I still to this day don't I I still think that I was like actually maybe the tide was just out but I I don't think it was so anyway I totally understand and it's rubbish isn't it because I bet you were really good at other subjects but you when you feel like that at school it can really affect everything can't it 
Yeah, it does. And it just makes you feel like you're completely stupid. Um, and, and at the time, I think when I was going, it was sort of at that stage of going for careers guidance as well. I'd go to the careers guidance place, which, by the way, was a hut of mm-hmm. dreams. Yeah, or, or <laughs> shattered, shattered dreams. Shattered dreams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you'd go into it and you'd be encouraged to kind of look through this dark filing cabinet of the job that you were going to have when you were older. And I just looked at this cupboard and just thought, I just don't see anything in here that feels like me. Like I, so therefore I don't fit in. I Mm. already feel stupid. I don't fit in. And there's no job here that I think I can do. Um, and there was just no guidance. Um, and, and look, I'm thankful now because actually for my kids, I now know that they can go in and get amazing guidance and they can actually be encouraged to do anything at all that they want to do. But yeah. back then it was like, do you want to be a doctor? And I'd say, no. no. <laughs> OK, well, we don't have anything for you. Yeah. yeah. You actually you wanted to be an archaeologist, you said. Yeah. Right. Totally normal. Why not? Why not? <laughs> well, it came from Sunday TV because they had this amazing show back in the day that was called Time Team with Tony Robinson and as a family we would sit down and Time Team was like a real staple as was Antiques Roadshow, The Borrowers, there was Narnia, it was our like Sunday telly but oh my gosh Time Team I was like yeah I just want to stand in a pit and dig yeah, that's all I wanted did. to do. <laughs> yeah, it did look really good. It looked really good. But you didn't do this. You didn't do this. Did you did you do A levels? I did, yes. Uh struggles to remember what she did. I did English literature, I did drama, and I did art. Um, and that actually subsequently is the highest qualification I've got in art. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you would look, you see, it all goes back to your beginnings, but we will be moving on to this. Um, so, and did you go off to university? I did. I went to Exeter. Okay. So at the time, my dad was really poorly and I just didn't really want to be too far away. So I went to Exeter, absolutely had a blast, but it also enabled me to kind of stay closer to the family so that I could head back home and, and check in on him. Because you said yeah. you said in the notes that you sent that there were there 25 years between your mum and dad. So there was a, yeah. a big difference. But, you know, what a lovely yeah. unit you obviously were. Yeah, they, they just fell in love and the numbers. I mean, I think on their wedding day, somebody said, oh, I'll give it five years. Mm. And they just stuck together. They, you know, we sadly lost dad um, nearly three years ago now. But um, yeah, just such a solid couple. You know, they were still so in love. Yeah, it goes to show love is love, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So going in then to your first chapter, you were a performing arts lecturer. So how did you, and you had a specialism in musical theatre. So how did you get into that from Exeter? Yeah, well, I'd always had like a love of music and I'd had a love of dance. And just as a young girl growing up, I kind of got into some sort of extracurricular dance classes and things like that. And I would always be in my bedroom with a hairbrush standing on the bed belting out Mariah Carey songs and um, but I had a real love of musicals so I went off to uni I um, decided that I would travel for a bit and then I decided to do my PGCE and went into straight into teaching um, and and absolutely loved it because I could teach these amazing humans these really big physical routines these really incredible um, pieces of music and it was just a joy to be able to deliver that kind of content in class and also having had that awfulness with my maths and feeling really like I, I couldn't achieve for me to then go in and teach a bunch of people these incredibly complex routines and being able to remember lyrics remember scripts remember lines it was just just amazing but incredibly physical Mm. so I was teaching really long hours and a lot of it was dance based stuff Mm. so it really began to kind of have an impact on my body Mm. and it it started off with just kind of a bit of back pain and yeah as as you as we'll talk about, I'm as sure it kind of yeah, absolutely. But so, but just so we're staying in the first chapter. So, where were you doing this at Exeter? You, we were so I Exeter. studied at Exeter, yeah, and then I came back and um, I started teaching in schools in Newton Abbott, and then I changed location. I went up to Leicester, taught in a city academy up there, and then eventually came back down to Devon and taught at South Devon College. Right. And that was where I began to teach older students. So FDA, kind of that sort of degree level, diploma level um, 
yeah, down there. I mean, teaching really was for you then, wasn't it? It, you know, it it, it was the right thing for you to be doing at that stage. At that stage, absolutely. I, I had a real joy and a love for it, and it was the the kids and the students that I met. Just they just blew me away, um, and a lot of them who perhaps didn't succeed in academic subjects to get them on the stage and see how incredibly amazing they could be and um, to see their confidence shoot through the roof was just like a real blessing that was a real joy to kind of witness that mm. but it, it it's you know teaching is tough and it was having a knock-on with my role as being a mum because I'd have this mountain of portfolios to mark and it would be my kids' bedtime and I'd be trying to put them to bed and have reading time with them whilst being incredibly conscious of this mountain of work. Mm -hmm. And it just, for me, I just couldn't navigate that balance. It was kind of all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I left teaching for that reason to spend more time with my kids. So just on a sidetrack then, so where, where did you meet your husband? We met in a pub. Lovely, love it. In Devon? Yeah, guy walks into a bar. Love it. Girl sees boy and (gasps) girl at the time was playing the piano and and singing. So I had a little gig in a pub and he just moved in slow motion to me. (laughs) And we started talking and I just, you know, when people say love at first sight, Mm. like I don't know if it was love at first sight, but I just knew that he was going to be a part of my life and I just didn't know how. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, we met. We met in June. We moved in together Christmas Eve. He proposed February 14th. (gasps) And then we were married in the July of that year. And then the following March, we had our daughter. (laughs) Wow. So he really was in your life. You were right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's amazing, isn't it? And I suppose as well, because of being brought up with the mum and dad that you had and a proper love story with them, you were really open to love. That must have something to do with it, mustn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I just think... When you meet somebody, you just, you know when it's right. Mm. And I think that's that's what happened because it was just so quick. Mm. Um, yeah, we're a really good team. We're a strong team. And yeah. I think the important thing is we just don't take life too seriously. Yeah. And we always talk and we always share and we just have fun. Yeah, how lovely. Oh, that's God, I want to come and live down Dartmoor even more now. Um, I mean, I've painted that with probably rose tinted glasses. That's I mean, all right. No, we like a bit of rose tinting here. Sometimes we do. it really annoys me. Oh, but we... good. Let's keep it real, Sarah. We don't want my lovely listeners thinking, oh, crikey. But no, that, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. So you obviously, you obviously, which we haven't sort of touched on, you did like performing as well. You you know, you were doing the piano and so you're very musical. And you, did you like that side of it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Because I think it just gave me that opportunity to just enjoy music and enjoy um yeah that confidence boost I suppose which I, I you know when I was teaching it, it it's not about me when you're teaching it's not about you it's about who you are supporting who you can help um and who you can help on their journey so being able to kind of have that performance element was just really lovely because it just made me realize why I went into that yeah and rediscover that love of performance yeah yeah did you do music at school then yeah, I did. Um, I didn't do a GCSE or anything. I just, I just uh, started piano lessons when I was. Gosh, I must have been about twelve. But my mum and dad, we had, you know, very hardworking but very simple life, and we couldn't afford a keyboard. We couldn't afford a piano. So when I was nine, my dad cut out a piece of white paper and he sellotaped it to the kitchen table, and then he coloured in some black rectangles <laughs> and and laid out what would be a keyboard so when I was nine I sat at the kitchen table and I I was given a book to be able to kind of look at where all the all the all the notes were and then I started playing the piano started playing the table that's how I knew where all the notes were so then when I was about 12 my mum uh met this lady who was a piano teacher and she said look I'll teach Sarah to play it's not a problem so I went to her house and she had the most incredible grand piano wow and I just remember standing in her room like welling up crying because I just thought it was just so beautiful and this was like the moment where I could actually play it and she just said to me why are you crying (laughs) I'm just so emotional I can play now and she's like just sit there and learn oh that's amazing though but that gives you goosebumps yeah but then it wasn't the table anymore it was a 
a grand piano that's yeah I know I felt like I was in a movie yeah I bet you did I bet you did and then so that makes it even more special then that when you were teaching others and that that makes it really really special and your husband because obviously we're we're about to go on to the next chapter but you say in your first chapter as a couple your husband and you were also renovating the farm now is that where you live now yes yeah so we've been uh, restoring, renovating our farm on Dartmoor and we're just kind of doing it as and when we can afford to. So a lot of that is taking some of the old ramshackle buildings and turning them into something different. So we've been able to create a, a holiday cottage on site and we've turned some of the other buildings into different bits and bobs. So my art studio um, here is actually in what was the old farm granary. Right. And um, yeah, we've just we're, we're trying to restore the farm with permaculture principles. So this is the idea that everything is a cycle and we're trying to do things in a really sustainable way. So we have a small herd of Devon Red Ruby cattle and um, they're, they're here. We look after them and then they when it's time, they then go to our cafe that we have um, a few miles down the road so everything is about locally sourced reducing food miles all the good stuff in life and that's what we're doing with the farm wow. uh, just trying to live off the land more simply we uh, started a vegetable garden last year with the kids during lockdown and just trying to grow our own trying to live a really simple life and and live off the land and and so you've got your cafe and restaurant business. Is that what, does your husband run that? Yeah, so we have that together, but we do have a, an amazing general manager called Jenny who uh, helps the operation. And that's at um, Park in Bobby Tracy. It's right. a place called Home Farm Cafe. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How lovely. How lovely. So, and is it? I mean, I'll ask this now. I mean, this is I'm I'm somebody that um and in our email exchange, you know, I live in Bristol and I love Bristol. I really do. I and I grew up in a fairly more a bit more rural than a city area in Berkshire, and I always sort of have cravings for as so many people I know do. Is it as lovely as you imagine it to be? You know, in now we're going into winter. What is it really like in Dartmoor? It's hard. It's really hard um, because also everything in the garden now, like there's no flowers, like everything is dying a death now and it looks really sad. But it, it's, you know, I think you have the image sometimes of being in some kind of cat kids and outfit with a basket skipping through the fields. And it's just <laughs> not like that. Like every day I take my mental high maintenance puppy out for a walk and I regularly step in cow pats. There's always something to do, always. Um, so this morning before chatting to you, I've already done the dog walk. I've already moved a herd of cattle. I've cleaned out the chickens. Um, I've tried to clear up the devastation of the kids and the breakfast table. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it is it is hard because there's always something to do. Mm. And I'm, I find it difficult to stop. Mm. I'm not very good at doing nothing. So, mm. yeah. It, it can be quite overwhelming. Do you have lots of space there? I imagine that's my kind of feeling that you think, you know, you can breathe because it's just, I can imagine it being very open. Yeah. It's a, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a big space. It's, um, you know, lovely to be able to walk for an hour and not leave the farm. Mm. And that was like an absolute godsend last year with lockdown mm. because, you know, we're isolated at the best of times. But last year was really testing because we just, I mean, I didn't leave at all I think it was a good five months where I just didn't leave the farm um my husband did my post runs for me he did the food shop I just stayed here and I and I really struggled with that afterwards I still am struggling a little bit I find it a bit bizarre going out to the world again and is that just because you wanted to stay, sort of stay safe and just you had your lovely home and you just wanted to stay there yeah I think it just I think when it all sort of um, kicked off I just I just thought no I'm gonna I'm gonna be here and we're gonna you know do do our best job at homeschooling and just shut the world out for a bit it's our time to do simple things hence doing the garden and you know trying to teach my son maths with carrots and <laughs> <laughs> me teaching maths Come yeah <laughs> look full circle I bet you did it a lot better though and and the tide How wasn't out with you apples. <laughs> Oh, no. Although I do think you look very nice in a Kath Kidston dress as well. So maybe one day you just have to, you know, treat yourself 
maybe it's my birthday in two weeks. I've got a big birthday coming up. Right. So maybe maybe that's the time to have a bit of a shopping yeah. shopping spree. Take that idyllic picture. <laughs> yeah. So um so yes, yeah, so now moving on to the next chapter. Now this is God, I've just never I've never actually heard anything like this. Um <laughs> so basically everything was all you were, you know, as, as you say, obviously you were you, you were still teaching, were you at this stage? I just I'd, I'd left teaching okay. and I was in that kind of gap of what am I going to do like I what is going to be my purpose because I leaving teaching was 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 really sad in a number of ways but it, it and it did give me a lot of joy but you know I, I kind of was at that interim period of I don't know what it is I'm going to do with the rest of my life so this was just before what happened. Yes so you had <laughs> I mean I've interviewed a lot of people Sarah but I'm, I say I've never heard anything like this you you had an injury a, a huge horrendous injury which was caused by a sneeze. Yeah oh so it was God. just this is back in 2016 and it was just a normal bog standard day and I'd woken up and I was still lying in bed and I just sneezed and I couldn't feel my legs and I just felt this horrendous pain it started off in my lower back and then I could I was aware of some like sensations in my legs but I couldn't really feel them and I tried to sit sort of tried to sort of swing my body around to sit up which after a while I managed to do and I put my feet on the floor and I couldn't feel the floor. Ugh. And I just thought, I just don't know what I've done. And I was so scared. And so I sort of shouted to my husband. I was like, I don't know what I've done. I don't know what I've done. And he said, what do you feel like? You know, can you stand? Can you do this? Anyway, he managed to get me onto, onto the floor, which was the comfiest position to be in. And really what happened from there is that I ended up going to the doctors and they said, we, we, you might have prolapsed discs. You might have actually prolapsed a disc in your lower spine from sneezing, um, but we don't know for sure. So what we're going to say is you need to go home, you need to get physio, you need to rest, have hot baths, have a TENS machine, have a hot water bottle, have a cold ice pack, do all of these things, and maybe it will improve, maybe it'll get better. So I did all the things, did all the things, and I was just in agony. I couldn't move. So I was based in my living room on the floor, and that's where I was for a year. Oh, my God. And my, my kids would come in, and they just couldn't understand what was wrong with me. Because I think if I'd have had um, a plaster cast mm. or something visible to them, it, they, it would have helped them understand why mummy was poorly. But because they couldn't see any of that they just kind of looked at me like, oh, mom, why is mummy on the floor again? Oh, you're being lazy, mummy. Mummy, you need to get up now. You're being lazy. And that was just so hard because I'm not that person. Mm. I am, I'm like the, I like to think I've got a really big load of energy, like a strong energy. And I, I don't sit still and I'm a bit of a go-getter. And so to, to suddenly just not be able to move and to be deemed the lazy person by my kids was just really heartbreaking but also terrifying yeah I mean were you in constant pain yeah yeah it was constant pain and I eventually went back to the doctors because they so they they will ascertain whether you have prolapsed discs by getting you to lie flat and they ask you to to do a leg raise now if you can do a leg raise then they'll say you don't have a prolapsed disc because you wouldn't be able to do that I could do a leg raise, but it was because I had hypermobility from years of dance. I was just, you know, I'm just bendy. Mm. And I, even though it was agony, I could still do that leg raise. So that's why it kind of went, you know, undiagnosed for such a long time. Mm. So I eventually just went back to the doctors and I said, I'm going to have um, a private MRI because I feel like I know my body and this isn't getting better. And I was just so desperate at the time um, and in so much pain. So I went, got a private MRI, and that's when they ascertained the damage that I had done. Mm. And then it was a case of, do I go on the waiting list, uh, the waiting list for the NHS for spinal surgery, which at the time they said it could take up to sort of three years. Oh. And I just thought, I've already done a year of this. Like mm. I can't. And mentally, I was just broken. Mm 
completely broken. Getting really emotional actually talking about it. I'm sorry to make you go through it, Sarah. No, 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 it's okay. It's good. It's good. But I decided that that just wasn't an option. So I I went and I had um, private spinal surgery and that was Christmas 2017. And then I kind of thought like it did the job. Thankfully, the surgery was a success. But I thought in my head, once I've had that surgery, I'll be fine. Mm. My life's just going to pick up. I'm going to feel a lot more positive. Everything's going to be great. And it just wasn't that way. I came out of hospital and I just felt so broken I felt really low and I just you know it was still quite difficult to move it was still quite difficult to walk about and to be comfortable I couldn't sit for a long period I couldn't drive and it took a really long time to recover from that and I still had to have extended periods of either standing or lying Mm. I'm not like a big tv person I love music but I just began to feel useless again mm. and that I, I what do I do like how do I cope with this period of time mm. where I don't feel like I can do anything like you know there's only so many books you can read or crosswords or mm. you know and you've got two young children and you're watching them getting older by the day and and yeah. and obviously for your husband it must have been for all of you just such a traumatic time yeah it was it was horrendous and the simple tasks you know, I stand in my kitchen now and I moan because, you know, people haven't people haven't loaded the dishwasher. But back then, I just couldn't I couldn't even do the movement of turning oh. to put a plate in the dishwasher. Mm. I just felt useless and everybody else had to kind of step up. And they were amazing. You know, my kids, I think once I'd had the surgery and once the kids came and visited me in hospital, they realized that, you know, I had been really poorly. Mm. And afterwards, they were just brilliant because they, they they did get it. They did understand. And they they really helped, you know, they helped with, with the round-the-house jobs and stuff. And my husband was just an absolute rock throughout. Mm-hmm. And was you, are your mum's nearby? Yeah, so my mum's still up in Biddeford. So mm. she was only like an hour and a half away. Mm. So she would she would come down and, and, and help out as well. Mm. But just, yeah, just when you go through something that's just so traumatic you really do look for the helpers and you look for those people that um are your people and have your back excuse the pun but Mm. they really they really were I mean obviously you say it was caused by a sneeze but was it to do with the fact that all what you'd done before with your teaching do you think it was something linked to that or was it purely just a really vigorous sneeze I just think that because I'd had lower back pain in the past Mm. I think it was just accumulative I think that the the amount of dance that I was doing, the fact that, um, you know, I I possibly have an issue with my back anyway, Mm -hmm. just all these underlying things, I think, just built and built and built to that moment. Mm -hmm. And how is it now? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, look, I can do, I can, I live a normal life. Mm -hmm. I'm very active. Um, I don't run anymore, but, you know, I'm not necessarily (laughs) unhappy about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I, yeah, I'm good. I do get off days. And I don't really know when those off days are going to come. So sometimes I wake up in the morning and my left leg, which still has a lot of nerve damage, can just almost shut down again. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while for me to get moving. And sometimes I just have to accept that that day is a day when nothing's going to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can imagine the fact that it happened in the morning and how it did, you must get every now and again, sort of quite, you must be be sort of traumatized by it you know that's every every now and again you think oh my god it can't be happening again or something like that yeah. to, to live with that is a big thing yeah I mean anytime I try to sneeze or I have a sneeze now I'm like oh my god it's yeah, coming I bet you are. um and also because the, after the surgery they say to you that actually if you're you're likely to injure yourself again in that first year mm-hmm. so that first year after surgery I just wanted to wrap myself in bubble wrap. Like mm. I didn't want to do anything. I almost kind of wasn't moving normally. Mm. Um, I ended up getting a like, really bad neck and shoulder pain because I was carrying myself in a different way. <laughs> you were very upright. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. What was a hot mess. <laughs> and how long was it after the surgery when before you actually felt a bit more normal as such? Um. Yeah, so Christmas 2017 was the surgery and um, maybe in the 
I don't know, in the June. Right. So still a long that time. That I started to feel a little bit more human again. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. But but still just I just really struggled. I think once once the I was sort of recovering physically, it was like mentally that wasn't on a par. Like mentally it I was still kind of playing catch up. Mm, mm. Yeah, I can understand that. Um and and I mean it just is you know, and was so horrendous for you that the the light of all of it is that is though that your next chapter sort of came out of it, which you know this is this does is what makes the story sort of in, so sort of incredible. So you started painting after the surgery. Yeah, so a good well, a couple of months after the surgery, I was still lay, laying there just feeling miserable, and my husband said, "Oh, I think, I think you should do something creative. Like maybe you should start drawing or painting. I know, I'll go and get you a little paint set." And at that point, I was just so cynical. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> at you're that like, no. Point, he was really annoying because <laughs> I was just like what is that gonna do like that is not gonna help me right now like how is that like oh I was so, I was almost like really angry with him he just said like just I'll just pick you up some paints I was like okay so he did and they sort of sat there on the side and I just remember looking at them like whatever yeah yeah do one <laughs> and then and then yeah the rest they say is history but I just started to to draw and I actually started to do a lot of journaling as well so I draw something that I saw out of the window and then I would write a few words and quite often those words were swear words because that was my coping mechanism yeah. of channeling quite right all of that and but there was a point when I started to draw things that weren't outside of the window stuff I couldn't see and that's the point when I started using all of these mad colors and it didn't look beautiful it didn't need to it was that process of just making something that felt like it was really an expression of how I was feeling inside and in doing so there was this little spark of joy Mm. that kind of began and I just fell in love with that process with with suddenly turning a white piece of paper into an explosion of colour, suddenly it kind of gave me this joy and this this purpose. Wow. Um, it gave me something to do that wasn't focused on pain. It gave me something to do that was mine. Um, and I think it's so difficult sometimes when the world is really loud and life is really busy to feel like you've got something that's just yours. Mm. And suddenly that was my thing. Mm. Um and so I started making things and um, and then friends would say, oh, I really like that. Would you make something for me? And I'd be like, OK, yeah, sure. And, and it just sort of snowballed from there that I, I started to think about maybe making and creating a small business. That's just amazing. But to get that joy and that light in that moment when you were feeling as low as you were I mean that's so special isn't it to get that you yeah. absolutely found what you should be doing yeah I, th I think so and it sort of came out of nowhere and especially because I'd been so kind of cynical about about the paints in the first <laughs> yeah. place like, it's almost it. like the paints were like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's brilliant and your husband did he ever say told you so no I'm sure he didn't I'm sure he did but also I mean it no, goes he back knows. He kn yeah he's a wise man this is why you have such a happy time um but it goes back to as well you know it always does though doesn't it like what you said at school you know you 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 obviously were always creative and artistic and with your music so you were doing um paintings and then you say you started making things what kind of things were you making um well the, the making side of it has, has come kind of later so initially I started to draw things out that I could see from the window then it became um using the kind of the, the, the life on the farm, my day-to-day -day life, looking at the cattle, looking at the animals and, and doing a lot of kind of, not animal portraiture, but just inspired by animals. And and then it kind of moved into looking at my work as a way to promote positive mental health. So I would write key phrases and, and, and things that I would call positive affirmations. And I would put those affirmations onto a background of things that I had seen on a, on a forage or a woodland walk or something day to day. And then more recently, it's become homewares and being able to create little pieces of joy through decorative homewares. And everything is hand painted 
and sustainable. So yeah, it's kind of moved from very much just print-based work to now looking at things for the home and and things that you can kind of give to others that are thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And then recently you were on the front of a magazine. I know. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I had like a stylist email me to say, oh, please, could you send a couple of your decorations in to this, um, to our magazine? We're going to be shooting a front cover. <laughs> I was like, I actually yeah. didn't believe the email at first. And then I sort of looked down at the address that I was meant to send my items to. And I was like Googling it like this can't be, this can't be real. And it was real. So yeah. That's just amazing. And was it Country Homes? Yeah, Country Homes and Interiors. So my work's on the front cover uh, on their tree. But I've had Country Living, I've had Red Magazine, uh, Period Living, all of these amazing kind of publications that are now, yeah, showcasing my stuff so so going back then so when you were so you were making things and your friends and family they sort of started to want it in your home so how did you and you thought you thought to yourself right I'm going to set up a business obviously you had your two children you've got your farm you've got you know Kathy you had lots going on how did you start to build that business um so initially it just began as a Facebook page and then an Instagram page. And I didn't really have anything else. I didn't have a website. I didn't, I think I, maybe I, I think I went on to Etsy back in the early days. Um, didn't, didn't ever have any sales there at all. So just started really on social media and people would message me and say, oh, I've seen this on your grid. Could I buy it? You know, um, and then it kind of, I, I realized the importance of being able to have my own website. So built the website um, with a chap um, who had worked with us on a few other projects and just very much started to 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 enjoy the Instagram kind of um, life in that that was that's such a visual platform so for me it's just brilliant because I can put my new makes out there new prints I can kind of showcase how I'm inspired by living and working on the farm and that's really been a place where I'd say has has really helped the business because mm, you you said that that's Instagram has really grown your business hasn't it yeah yeah hugely I'd, I'd say I probably get around about 85% of sales from Instagram that's that's amazing yeah. and, and have you taught yourself how to do it or did you sort of did you ever go on a course or did you just work out sort of what works for you I haven't done any courses and quite honestly, like I don't really know what I'm doing half the time. I've just <laughs> discovered how to do reels, which which is just like, wow, okay. Um, I mean, it's majorly distracting, but no, I, I, I just, I think what's, what's really important on the Instagram thing is you have to make a decision whether your business is just going to be, hi, here's my work. It's all about the work or whether you're going to choose to kind of share things about your life and almost um share with that following the, the founder story or you know the the inspiration behind the work and I've just decided to just sort of throw myself all in and just say this this is who I am and this is what I make and so I do share things about my life I do share <laughs> you know the fact that I've stepped in a cow pat again or you know I I, I I feel like that's important because ultimately that's my main inspiration is is the place that I live and work Mm. Um, but not a clue of what I'm doing. Oh, well, you say that, you say that, but before we started recording, because I, you know, I'm always in awe of anyone who can sort of get their head around Instagram in any, because as somebody is like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to work out how to do it. But I look at your feed and you're in, I find it inspiring because, I'm, you know, there was one you did where it was your walk to work, your commute, yeah. you know, just like walking a lot. And again, with my uh, craving of the open space, it's like, there she goes. And, and it's just like joyous on a Monday morning or whatever you see that that whole thing it must be sort of quite daunting putting your story in there but that's what makes it so unique and it and so special and then this is why people are drawn to you so it kind of works doesn't it I I hope so I mean I just think at the end of the day like I've just got to I've just got to that place in my life where I just I just don't care anymore what 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 people think Mm. I really I really don't and that feels quite liberating because Mm. ultimately if people don't like my work or find me annoying, then just just don't follow me. Yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. You know, peace and love, peace and love. Yeah. It's um, but it can be. The only thing I would say about that whole social media thing is that it 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 takes a lot of work as well. Mm. You know, it's not just off the cuff. Let's just put a picture on. Like it, 
you think about because it. I think you have to tell a story as well you have mm. to tell a story you have to communicate with people and and that takes hard work and it has to, it is you know it has to be genuine it can't just be sales 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 it has to be about engaging people and 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 and, and growing a, a following of people that are your people mm. it, I've, I've had like honestly the 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 the, the most joyous community are the people that I follow on Instagram. Mm. They are just so lovely. They're like friends that I haven't met, mm. you know. And who are they? Uh, customers, mm. um, fellow makers, fellow founders. There's a really big um, support network, I think, for small businesses. Mm. So, yeah, a huge community there. Mm. It's just lovely. It's so special because I think this is how, well, I know this is how I came across your work is because I'm a big fan of Holly Tucker and Holly and & Co. Yeah. And, and it, it's so special and warm and lovely, the community. It does does completely feel like this. And and what is life like? So we are really into the Christmas season now. And again, this is why I feel very honoured that you spent this time with me. So thank you. But what is life now as a small business at Christmas in your lovely studio there? Well, let's just be really honest. <laughs> yes, please. This, this is set up. It looks great. Clean and tidy. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a massive illusion because actually what I can see is it looks like Christmas has exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, no, Christmas for me started in July. So nice. I had a Julymus. Yes, very good. And uh, I started photographing things in July and, 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 and working out designs then. So now it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. But I actually, I've been painting so many nutcrackers. And in fact, last night I had the weirdest dream where I dreamt that two life-size nutcrackers were at the end of my bed. <laughs> and they just said, Sarah. They were talking. And it scared me so much <laughs> Like, oh my god so it's definitely a bit crazy um oh, so when and I'm you, obviously thinking about it a lot <laughs> well yeah when you finally can sort of shut up shop and put your feet up for a little bit during Christmas no nuts for you Sarah no nuts yeah no nut no, I've had enough nuts. Enough, enough nuts nuts that's amazing and you do it all by yourself yeah that's so amazing. I am it's just a one band one woman band so that's that can be quite overwhelming because not only keeping up the social media, but updating the website, keeping an eye on stock and products, whilst also hand painting everything, getting orders out, um, you know, keeping on top of everything else. It's it's quite a juggle, but I, I love it because yeah. it still blows my mind that effectively I live in the middle of nowhere and yet people find find me it's amazing so special isn't it and again you didn't you when you sort of decided you wanted to do this you didn't think right I'm going to do two years of a business school or three years you just you've just done it and you're learning as you go along and that's what and you've got an 11 year old and an eight-year-old gorgeous as they are but that's you know it's not always easy is it no life's life's really busy uh, but it's like I said before to to be able to have something that's just yours Mm. It's just so wonderful because I know that if I didn't have that, if I didn't have a thing that gave me real positivity and joy and happiness, then, you know, I'm just, I'm not really a great role model for my kids. And my kids need to know that, you know, it's important to stop and to be able to kind of change direction, change path and do something different. Like we don't all have to be doing the same job for years at a time it's important to show them that actually you can do anything you can stop the train you can stop the bus and get off and do something new yeah when you find that that joy and that purpose you've just got to go for it haven't you I totally understand and I you know I feel the same with my writing and with with my books and and my podcast but it's and it's like my little flower I call it my flower pox it's flower pop publications and production and my husband we were talking about this the other day and he was like can you imagine you without your flower pot yeah yeah it comes across you're very busy and it's not if you're doing something you love it's that's you're living aren't you it's not about being busy you're doing what you're supposed you feel you're supposed to be doing and that is a lovely way to live yeah and and also it's important that in your head as well you have to really evaluate what success means for you yeah because I don't I don't run my business to make money you know obviously we all have to pay bills yeah and being able to have a small business that ticks along is amazing but I don't do it for the money yeah I actually do it because it gives me joy and I absolutely love it but also success for me is being able to 
juggle my life in that I can take my kids to school and pick them up. If I want to have a day off or an afternoon off, I will take an afternoon off and I will go and work in my garden that quite frankly looks awful now because it's winter. (laughs) Um, But success for me is about having a simple life and being able to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, you know? but isn't that true, isn't it? You're there with your husband in your lovely part of the world. What more with your children and especially what you've been through? Because you know, when that was just, life was just whipped out, you know, literally from beneath your feet. You didn't know when you woke up that day. So to get the, you know, to have gone through that and now to get this out of it, where you realise, I, I think it's amazing. So, so yeah. well, I, I really, really do. And amazing. that's the thing, none of this would have happened. None of it. I, I don't, I don't think that I would have gone into an art shop and picked up some paints and then thought oh I'm going to start painting and oh now I'm going to start a small business from it I just don't think that that would have happened so you know in a, in, in a really weird way I'm really thankful that it happened because now I'm doing this mm. and and yeah it's mm. it's it's become just this just wonderful wonderful thing yeah it is wonderful it is wonderful and it you know sometimes you go through such awful things but they say don't they it's like post-traumatic resilience that you get out of it yeah it's not it is horrendous but actually you can get some good out of it yeah you've proven it so well I think it's amazing I do um so to be continued it could be continued now I also (laughs) I I mean you've done enough really so to be fair um but I love this I love this because you said um I, I just love it. You know, you want to continue to enjoy your work, but you said, I don't have any big plans. I'm content with where things are at in my life. I mean, what a lovely place to be. You say you've got a big birthday coming up. How lovely. Yeah. How lovely. Maybe a Kath Kiston dress. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, what else? I don't know. I don't know. I just... Yeah, I just I just feel very blessed and very lucky to um, I'm just content. I don't, I'm not anybody who wants a big flash life. I don't want, you know a big car I don't need to be dripping in jewels or whatever like I'm just content with with where things are at and I'm thankful that I have been able to recover and I'm thankful that I actually can live a relatively like normal life yeah yeah do you find I mean we because I work with lots of people who live in the west country do you find even that you don't feel the need to keep going on holiday even as much because you're in this lovely area but you just feel quite happy to be where you are I think we we struggle to go on holiday anyway just because of the nature of having a farm Mm. so um but we would probably do yeah we'd probably stick around in Devon and do some like family days out mm. um and 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 with being on Dartmoor as well it's just amazing you know mm. being able to take the kids right up onto the moor and um just yeah do it like splashing in the river and mm. yeah all of those sort of simple childhood things and mm. poo sticks and building pebble towers all of that sort of stuff but we would tend to do things yeah more locally rather than go on holiday yeah but again, how lovely, how lovely. Um, so moving on to your acknowledgements, who would you like to thank who has helped you along the way? Oh, gosh, it's that thing. I can feel the emotions again. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Come on, this is the place. Oh, I think like my husband has just been amazing mm. throughout this, like, the last few years. He's just been brilliant and he has been my rock and he's always kept really positive when I haven't. So that's been amazing. He's great. Mm. Uh, my kids just because they're awesome humans and they really they they really kind of grew up in that in that time and they changed from not really having a clue and not knowing how to help mummy to just being absolute legends Mm. um and yeah I guess just the family really my I I will thank my dad god bless him he's not here anymore but he was just a real cheerleader Mm. and he just always encouraged me to um just listen to my heart and to to just anytime anytime you had a wobble he'd just say just just listen inside Mm -hmm. just listen to what you think you know your heart will tell you so yeah um and my mum just because she's just awesome yeah she's a wonderful strong funny engaging smart woman so yeah 
my mum. <laughs> How lovely. How lovely. So then, well, you've got, I mean, you've you've offered so much already, but the, so your tips and advice. So if someone's listening to this, now it's interesting, isn't it? Because that, that phase, you, well, that phase, the place you were at when you stopped your teaching, you had your children and you really didn't know what you wanted to do and you wanted to find your purpose. Now you found it and thank, thank goodness to your husband for passing the paints. Um, but <laughs> you, you found it in a very sort of unusual, but you, you, you did find it. You found it in a way. Now, obviously, people don't have to go to such extremes. But what would you say to someone who knows that they haven't found their purpose? They haven't got that feeling. How do they find it? I mean, I don't have all the answers. I just think that I just think that things will happen in life that are out of our control sometimes. And that it's those moments of change, those moments where everything feels a bit wibbly and a bit wobbly, that you might be able to just find a little, I'm going to call it a golden nugget <laughs> because because life isn't this sort of straight linear path. Um, it will lead us into all of these different directions, but I guess it's just trying to listen to yourself and, and, and you already have the answers. Mm. I think sometimes when we question ourselves, like oh, I don't know what I'm doing or this isn't going to work or if we, those moments of sort of stress, where you're questioning actually you already know the answers inside Mm. um so yeah I believe that and and also when you actually from finding it the purpose and then you actually started to create a business and you had confidence in yourself because that must have been really hard in those early days everything you've been through as well but to keep going and start building up customers and that kind of thing you know what would you say to somebody who's who feels like they're not ready to step into that but really they need to because that's how you progress isn't it you've got to do yeah you just have to be um just it's just really important to be really ballsy you know it's important to be bold and to just go and do it anyway it's like feel the fear isn't it Mm. um because you're never going to move forward if you just, you know, just staying in the same place is going to be like st- standing in treacle. You have to be confident enough to take that first step and to do things that feel a bit out of your comfort zone in order to move forward. Um, but also knowing that it's not about um, it's not about getting new follow- followers. It's not about sales. It's not about all of those sorts of things. It's about ensuring that you're staying true to who you are and doing the thing that gives you joy. Well, I hope as the Christmas season calms down that you can have some joy and put your feet up a little bit at least, even just for a few minutes. No nuts. No. But Sarah, thank you so much for being such a fabulous, amazing and inspirational guest on the next chapter. Thank you and a very happy Christmas to you. Oh, happy Christmas. Ah. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So there you are. What did you think of that? Sarah has the kind of passion and love for how she lives, which is contagious, I think. I could feel it just talking to her, and I hope you could too. I loved what she said. Things happen in life out of our control, but it's in these moments when everything feels a little bit wobbly and wibbly that we might just find that golden nugget. It's also about defining what success really means to you. Now, if you'd like to see more about Sarah and her videos are just so lovely, I promise you have a look at the dartmoorartist.co.uk. If you'd like to find out more about me and my latest books, you can buy me at elliebarkerwrites.com. And now if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast, well, then that would be marvellous and may even help others with their next chapters too. You're listening to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker, a flower pot production. And remember, if you're feeling a little wobbly, a little wibbly, try to use it. Find that nugget. You can do it. Sarah thinks so, and I do too. Happy Christmas if it is Christmas. And if not, well, have a lovely day anyway. Speak soon. <laughs>